0: The Carter Report presents Mission and Message A New Look at the Church and its Future Is the Church an Endangered Species? Or is a time of explosive growth just ahead? Now, here's John Carter. We welcome you back to the Carter Report and we're talking about the mission of the Church. Next week, the message, but today we're talking about the mission. In the last program, we talked about those bad things like legalism and liberalism that are a curse to the church. But here's another thing. We're talking about hindrances to the mission of the church. Here it is. That can, wait for it, the confounding of spiritual gifts is a hindrance to the sacred mission of the church. What on earth am I talking about? Now, we know how the traditional churches messed up on the Sabbath. They got the order wrong. Number seven became number one. They messed up God's sacred order, and we have messed up God's sacred order as far as the mission of the church and spiritual gifts. I want you to come over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 and 28 and i can almost guarantee that most of you folks who go to church have never thought about this and you've never studied it 1st corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 and 28 i put it to you i think most people who go to my church haven't got a clue about this so i want you to be intelligently informed 1st corinthians chapter 12 verse 27 and 28 Now, you are the body of Christ. That's the church. And members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. Last of all, apostles. No, 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 no. Well, why do we act like that? First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues now this is i believe you'd agree with me this is the word of god here we've got god's order of spiritual gifts here we've got god's order and i ask the question do we obey god or do we follow the ways of men so i want you to think about god's order of spiritual gifts number one uh, apostles number two now uh, apostle is a person that can be translated a missionary a person who's got the mission you see person has got the mission a person is going with the mission to preach the word number two prophets in this context it's not talking about people who have visions it's talking i mean you know dreams and all that stuff it's talking about people who (laughs) preach the divine word Every good commentary will agree with me. Number three, teachers, those who explain God's revelation. Number four, people who do extraordinary, extraordinary works. Number five, healings, who can heal the sick. Number six, helpers, people who help God's work. Number seven, administrators. Don't put them down, folks, because even though they are only number seven, they are needed tremendously for the organization of the spiritual gifts that God has put in the church. And then you come to number eight, which is talking in tongues, communicating the good news supernaturally. George Knight has said, rightly so, we need to take more seriously what the Bible has to say on the gifts of the Spirit. Now, today, say to everybody, I speak as a member of the church. I speak as one who loves the church, as a loyal member who has spent his life promoting the church and its mission. But we need to return to God's sacred order of spiritual gifts. Number one, the most important gift is the gift of preaching the word of God. I'm amazed when I meet young pastors and I've met heaps of them. I say, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, I want to get behind a desk. What, do you want to go down to number seven, do you? Yeah. I, want to be, I want to be a president. I want to be an administrator. I say to them, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Have you got the spirit of God or not? Or are you following simply church tradition? The Bible says the most important gift is the preaching of the word of God. That's what the... Now, some of you are looking at me as though you're surprised. The problem is you've never read this text before and you've never thought about it. That's the problem. This is new to you today. You're saying, I I, I just don't believe any of this stuff. Well, perhaps... You ought to start to believe the word of God. We need to return to God's sacred order of spiritual gifts. I believe it. We have devoted, we have developed a bloated bureaucracy. And we have stifled the apostles, prophets, and teachers. And so you go to a place like Australia, and you, or Europe, or America, and where... Where are the missions? Where is the strong, forthright preaching of the word of God? And young ministers say to me, oh no, we just want to get behind a desk. I say to them, what's wrong with you? It's time for you to return to the word of God. Another force that is stifling the mission of the church is institutionalism. Hold on to your seats. Institutionalism is a negative force in the mission of the church. I believe it is God's will for us to have hospitals. But Jesus never said, go into all the world and build hospitals. They're important. Jesus didn't say, go and do it. He said, go and preach. He said, oh, no, 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 you, you got it wrong. No, my problem is I got it right. I got it from the Bible. I believe it is God's will for us to have hospitals, schools, Colleges, especially colleges and universities and publishing houses. But institutionalism is when the church is defined by its institutions and not by the mission, which is the preaching of the gospel and the winning of the lost to Christ. Listen to this, leaders of institutions whom I respect if we are only doing what other institutions are doing, just performing operations, taking out uh, gallbladders, etc., etc., we are not fulfilling the mission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, that's out of date. No, it's not out of date. You're out of touch. One of the greatest hospitals I think you'd find anywhere is the hospital that I was associated with many years ago, the Sydney Adventist Hospital. One of the finest hospitals in Australia, I would think one of the finest in the world. I was senior pastor of the large church on the campus. Dr. Tom Ludoisi was the head chaplain and one of our pastors, we worked together. The church took a large group on a mission trip to Manila. The hospital cooperated. The head of the hospital was my friend uh, Dr. Bert Clifford and who was a loyal member of the church. We worked together to fulfill the mission of the church, to save the lost for Christ. But if I'm simply taking out an appendix or a gallbladder and if that's all I do, what's the point? The mission... uh, It's the preaching of the gospel of Christ. Can you see why I get into trouble with my preaching? I believe, you see, in biblical theology, I believe in fidelity to the word of God. And I can see what's happening to the church, the visible church. I think of my friend at Andrews University, which is an excellent institution. Dr. Randy Yonker, an outstanding uh, Archaeologist. We've traveled together through Egypt. He's one of the world's best. He has an institute at Andrews University to promote the cause of biblical archaeology. It is probably the best uh, institute for biblical archaeology uh, in the world. It's promoting the word and the preaching that's the mission of the church and Randy is being faithful here's the question are our institutions helping to proclaim the message of god and save the lost for christ that demands an honest answer another factor that destroys the mission Of the church wait for it it is compromise conformity and mediocrity i believe from long experience that our church system of organization tends to produce people who are often afraid to think for themselves and speak out for christ and truth yes 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 Marching in lockstep. I believe in unity, but not the curse of uniformity that produces mediocrity. Now, here is a question I'm going to ask and answer, and it'll help you. Is our organization divinely inspired? Should it always be obeyed? Now, I say that to most people, of my congregation, they say, yes, divinely inspired. Whatever the church organization says, we say, amen, that is the voice of God. Goodness, not even the Pope says that. Not even the Pope says that. But some of my church members say that. I want to read to you from George Knight. Then in 2005, 2006 came the General Conference Commission on Ministries, Services and Structures. Preliminary to its first formal meeting, Jan Paulson invited me to meet with all the General Conference Officers and Presidents of the World Divisions at a Florida retreat. I'd been granted 30 minutes to make my presentation, but my 60-page paper formed the agenda for nearly four hours In this important uh, pre-meeting. My task was to bring harmony, relative harmony, among the leadership by demonstrating that the current structure was not inspired, oops, was not inspired, uh, but in the past had been pragmatically adapted to meet the needs of an expanding mission. Not divinely inspired, pragmatically set up. Think about it. The good news is that the eventual result of the Commission's work was a vote to reduce the necessary levels of structures by fully recognising the union of churches model. Thus local conferences became an option that could be dispensed with. Whoop! Too much. Whoop! Too expensive. So they voted. We'll get rid of them and other parts. The bad news about the vote is that by and large, its revolutionary promise has not been recognised and implemented. My guess is that it won't be until the system is faced with financial disaster. (laughs) So we grow. He wrote a book called uh, The Fat Lady and the Kingdom. There's this lady, a little heavy. She's trying to get through a door. Well, she got so many packages. <coughs> she can't get through the door because she got so much stuff. George Knight said she's got to get rid of some of the stuff to get into the kingdom. Mm. Thus... I want you to hear this very plainly. i preach this and some people have got so mad with me. That's because they don't understand. That's because they're marching in lockstep. Altogether for the kingdom of God, but nobody think for himself. Thus, we know the church organization is not divinely inspired. Organization is vital and we have a good organization. But... The organization that is needed is one that is efficient and effective. And listen to this. To worship the church organization as some do is idolatry. One step removed from the mark of the beast. Mark of the beast says you just got to stop thinking and do what we tell you to do. I say never, never, never. Because first and foremost, I'm a Christian, but secondly, I am a Protestant. My experience teaches me that the ignoring of God's priorities in spiritual gifts and in promoting uh, evangelism and the substitution of a well-meaning but bloated bureaucracy is counterproductive to the fulfillment of the mission why does the review say the church is an endangered species anybody listening Elder Bob Spangler said to me my friend of many years Why do we produce such dreadful dreadful mediocrity? More than that, I will say this. We stifle the voice of the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers. We starve them to death. No money for evangelism and the preaching of the cross of Christ, but money for institutions. That's because we don't understand 1 Corinthians 12. We crush their spirits. We even persecute those who are compelled by God to proclaim the word. We're a threatened species? Then why? You say it, then why not do something about it instead of mouthing platitudes? I ask the question, how would a Billy Graham uh, survive today in our church? No, brother, you need to be behind a a desk and you need just to do what you're told and shuffle some papers. America has gone downhill spiritually and in every way since this man has stopped running big campaigns. He was the moral voice of certainty. The reason we have so much lying, so much slander, So much evil from the top to the bottom is because preaching has been downgraded. And I've gone to churches in North America and in Australia and people have had the, (laughs) I was going to say audacity, (laughs) they've had the nerve to say to me, oh, don't you know, you belong to a different era. That's finished now. We don't do that anymore. There's no more preaching. We don't do that. All we do now, we're, no, we're friendly. We're friendly. Of course, what what's wrong? You have to get a doctorate to be friendly. We're just friendly. We have friendship evangelism. We have this. We Listen, the Bible said, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. See? That's what Jesus said. But we say, Well, who's Jesus? He's your judge. Now we come to a transition in this talk. You ready for the transition? I can feel a transition coming on. (laughs) The transition is made up at a start of three introductory words. Here they come. The first one, however, whatever I've said, however, but nevertheless. There are powerful, positive forces waiting to be unleashed upon a sleeping church and an indifferent world. And if you don't get with it, my friend, uh, you just may not be a part of God's church or of the kingdom of God. Let me talk about it. Faith. Faith says it shall happen. The unbeliever says, oh, it's too hard. It can't happen. It's too difficult. Nobody will come. Goodness. And you pay people like that? Goodness, I'd pay to have them removed. Faith says, it shall happen. Vision says, I see a mighty harvest. And courage says, I can walk among lions and I shall not be hurt. People say, why would you go to dangerous countries? Don't you think God goes there? You don't think God lives there? People say, why, why would you go to El Salvador? It's too dangerous. Don't you think God lives there? Hmm? What's wrong? And so faith, vision, courage. Let me tell you just a little for those who haven't seen this before. If you have seen it before, that's good. You know, I believe in Sola Christus, Sola Scriptura, Sola Gratia, Sola Fidei. That's the battle cry of the Protestant Reformation. They're the Latin words, Christ, Scripture, Grace, Faith. We had the privilege of, some time back, going to El Salvador, place full of crime and wonderful people. Union president was and is, thank God, a man by the name of Pastor Abel Pacheco. We said, Pastor Pacheco, let's hire the National Stadium He went to some of his lieutenants. They said, oh, it can't be done. Never been done before. It's too hard. Um, Maybe nobody will come. (laughs) You get this everywhere. He said, I see a vision. I see a vision. I'll tell you what he did. Before we got there, he put on 70 meetings, 7-0. He employed 70 extra pastors. He brought them in from around the world. They hired 765 buses to bring the people to the meetings. Would they do that in America? Would they do that in Australia? Would they do that in Europe? No, I don't think so. Maybe one day. 55,000 people got inside the stadium. The biggest crowd in the history of that part of the world. 5,500 people were baptized in a single day. It's more than petty. And we had one goal, one aim, uh, one purpose to fulfill the mission, to proclaim God's message and save the lost for Christ. Now I want to tell you this. I say this to everybody who's listening on television. God has always had his man or his woman. He had John Wesley in England, kicked out of his own church, the Church of England, get out and preach before breakfast at four in the morning in the cold to 20,000 miners, hundreds of thousands coming to Christ. George Whitfield, another great English preacher who came over here to America, took America by storm. George Whitfield, little man, just a boy, put him up on a table. HMS Richards, who started the voice of prophecy, Battling against indifference and, may I say, the church hierarchy. Oh, we don't want that sort of stuff. You're causing too much trouble. Danny Sheldon. Oh, you shouldn't even mention him. He's not even an ordained minister. He's a layperson. Who made a difference between ministers and laypeople? We're all laypeople. I don't believe in a hierarchy. A carpenter in southern Illinois a lay person with a vision, courage, and faith. He has one of the biggest television networks in the world. Everybody said, can't be done. He's silly, stupid. Nobody can do it. When he did it, oh, now you're a troublemaker. Now you're getting too much money. (laughs) These are the people. All these people had one gift, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Come over here to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. Let these words get down into your heart. And being assembled together with them, that's verse 4. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to you, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. God is going to have a people who get these things straight, get spiritual gifts straight. And the Holy Spirit will come upon them. And they will be God's witnesses around the world, including the United States of America and Australia and Europe. And the mission will be fulfilled. And the message will be preached. And the work will be finished. And Christ will come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. The word began in a village. Churches and schools sprang up and multiplied, reaching into the city. Great truths revealed to the people of Papua New Guinea, changing thousands of lives. Our eyes are going to be opened to the discovery of amazing truths. The greatest truth in the Bible, it is the truth that God loves you. It has completely changed my life and I'm going to be baptized this Sabbath. Pastor Kata has put something in my heart that I will never forget. Thank you, Pastor Kata, for your program. It has changed my life completely. John Carter's Great Truths Revealed was recorded live from Papua New Guinea. Experience the miracles in this 21 DVD series for a gift of $150 US or $210 Australian. To order, visit our website or call This is my 43rd visit to preach the everlasting gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they had smoke bombs and they had fire bombs and the Russian army had to take me to the meetings. I come here, my friend, because of the need. These were days of grace and glory and mighty power. For a donation of $100 or more, a signed copy of the John Carter biography can be yours by writing to us at the address on the screen or visit our website. For a copy of today's program,